thank you for coming and joining us today, Dominion Sonship Live. We have a title, a brand new title to demonstrate the brand new life we have in Christ. And it is brand new life, brand new life, brand new life. And this brand new life is really the very life of God that we are to demonstrate on earth. And without a demonstration of the life of God, Really, uh, there is no purpose to our life. Our life has been purposed to demonstrate the, the life of God. And, the, and, and Christianity is not just a mere religion. It's not just a, uh, attending your local church, which all of it is wonderful and it's perfect. It's where you get edified. It was where you bring your spiritual supply to your local house. You, it's the way the body of Christ is made to work on earth. That we're not to forsake the gathering with one another, especially in this hour as we see this hour approaching. Christianity is divine life expressed through a vessel. Christianity is the very life of Jesus that he came to lay down his life so we can now have his life and demonstrate his life on earth. Christianity is fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Christianity is the full expression of divinity of who he is, who is life and light and love. And, and we, the body of Christ, are demonstrating the very nature nature of God. And so Christianity is a living reality of Christ in the midst of us. Christ in the midst of me. Christ indwelling me now that I'm no longer my own. But we looked last week that now I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit and I'm fitly joined together with other members in this glorious body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the brand new life is, we call it brand new because when we become born again and we Last week's message was new you, new you. And we really focused on being born again, that really we cannot, that that's the most elementary, that that, that is the very beginning. We looked at uh, Jesus and Nicodemus, the interaction there, uh, the conversation of, of Nicodemus coming in the middle of the night and, 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 and almost flattering Jesus, you're a miracle worker. And my son did an amazing recap last week on that message of new you. I would really recommend that you listen to it and that, um, this, this ruler of the Jewish uh, people comes to Jesus at night because he's after keeping a reputation and uh, Jesus is highly persecuted by the elites of the Jewish rulers at large. And so Nicodemus sneaks in and finds Jesus and with flattery wants to get some divine information, wants to gain some understanding. And Jesus, Jesus Jesus' response is the response that he gives to all of us. You must be born again. You must be born from above. You must be born of my spirit. You have to become a child of God. And the only way you become a child of God is when you become born of God. And now he is your father. And that is the beginning. And beyond that, beyond that, if we're not born again, there's no more conversation regarding the kingdom. We will not understand the kingdom of God because we'll not be partakers of the kingdom of God by, by, by our new birth, by this brand new life. Now we are partakers of divine nature and through this divine nature, we have access to who God is. This divine nature has given us access into possibility. So that now the way we know nothing is impossible with God. Now we know nothing is impossible with us. 
And that no matter what we see in the natural, because we will see a lot of things in the natural, opposition, obstacles, distractions, um, pullbacks, um, accusations, false accusations, persecutions, and all of it is part of this divine walk. But none of those things phase us. None of those things affect us. None of those things communicate any reality. If anything, the only thing it communicates is I'm a child of God and where light is, where light is, light is in me. And when I go out and it, it's supposed to push back darkness, so this, what I'm seeing, this persecution, this accusation is just a token The darkness is being pushed back. It's it's being pushed back. It's being pushed back. The very fact I'm here right now and here right now could be on your job site, could be uh, walking, walking in the park, could be in, in your neighborhood, wherever here now is where you are light is because you are light, because you're now the light of the world. And where light is, it's dispelling darkness at all times. And just because something gets stirred up doesn't mean you've, you've done something wrong. You're actually doing something right. You are being a light. You're being a light. And light is confrontational in nature. Light is not tiptoeing. When you put the light on, light doesn't ask for permission. Oh, can I come on now? Uh, how gradually, how gradually do you want me to come? No, light bursts on the scene. And light is, and darkness is dispelled. There's no more darkness. There's just no more darkness. You walk into a dark room at night. You put the light on. It's not a gradual. It is sudden. And thrust out darkness. It's that sudden. And so now, we have this divine life. And the divine life is the ultimate revelation with every revelation that we impact, it seems like the ultimate revelation, but we recognize that it is a full deal, the whole counsel of the word of God. And so it's like a mountain. You're climbing from this side and that side. You're coming to these places of summits where you're like, oh, wow, God, you are love and you love me. And we camped on that for about, I don't know, about six weeks, although it's been a lot more than, I think, a lot, but just specifically on God is love. And then we started on new you, new you, you're born again, without knowing you're born again, without being born again. Because once you're born again, you know you're born again. Without becoming born again, you have no concept of divine reality. You've got no concept of the kingdom of God. And really, to be born again, the purpose for it is that you are partaker of God now. That you are a child of God now. And so the purpose of why Jesus came to earth is that we become sons of God, that we now have the very life of God. If we go 2 Corinthians, we read this verse last week, we'll read it again. For 2 Corinthians 5, we're going to start at 14. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. If one died for all, then all died. You see, in his death we have died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves. So he died for all, that those who live should no longer live of the old man, no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one no one, we regard no one, we consider no one, we see no one according to the flesh, 
according to the old man, according to the old man who is to live for himself. But now we have a brand new consideration. So as soon as we become born again, our sight changes, our regards changes, our considerations changes. And the one thing that really off the bat changes is you become aware of spiritual reality. You become aware that you are light. You come, become aware that you're no longer just a mere human being, that there is a grand purpose, and this purpose, God himself is living in you. God is the purpose of your life. What is my purpose? My purpose is to edify and glorify the one who lives in me. My purpose is to communicate this divine nature. My purpose is to express the very life of God. My purpose is to consider afresh that which is done for me. And so the one thing that we consider that we no longer flesh and blood we're not just mere humans but we're a new creation so we go back to 16 therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh even though we have known christ according to the flesh last week we spoke about this verse yet now we know him thus no longer therefore therefore because he has died for us and we're to no longer live for ourselves because we're not to longer consider ourselves after flesh we're not to even know the Lord Jesus Christ after the manner that he walked on earth, but we're now to know him as the resurrected king, the soon coming king. And so because of all of it, there's a high consideration. Because of all that we just said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new creature. He's a brand new species. We looked at the word uh, new before and it was like it didn't exist before. It's brand new creation. All things, all things, my old nature, my old man have passed away. Behold, all things have become brand new. They have become new. And so what's become new? My life's become new. It's a brand new life. That right there is really the, the highest amount you'll climb. Because we are so aware of natural sensations. And the world and the enemy is so quick to highlight natural circumstance and to keep our consciousness stuck on earth, to keep my consciousness as a busybody on earth, to keep my consciousness engaged in the affairs of the world, to keep my consciousness engaged in civilian affairs that we looked a few weeks ago, Paul saying to Timothy, you're now a soldier. You have no right to be engaged in civilian affairs. You're now of God. You're now on this race of life. You are now on a divine purpose. You are set forth to go forth and demonstrate the glory of God. You are not of your own anymore. We're not to consider ourselves after the old nature because that nature has no longer power and dominion to keep us ensnared. But now through this divine Christ life, it's almost like we have this burst of light has come and has unshackled us. It has just unshackled us. <laughs> so we can think freely. So we can think unobstructed. So we can think above. So we can think the thoughts that are glorious. So we can think edification. So we can think happy thoughts. So we can think thoughts that are of God. What, what, what this new life previous me to and, and gives me access to is the mind of Christ. That I now have the mind of Christ. That this divine life is the very life of God and carries the very, very, ah, uh, Concepts, the concepts of God, the concepts of God 
a carrot in the life of God. And there's a word that's trying to escape me that I will apprehend. There's concepts. This divine life carries mysteries. Carries divine understanding. Reasonings that are of God. This divine life the essence of this life is based on a divine utterance. It's based on the very voice of God. The very voice of God has brought forth a new life in me. It's a little bit uh, profound. A little bit profound. What does that mean? If we go to 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1, 23. I talked about this brand new life, this life of God that we now have carries Utterances carries divine concepts. It's the very mind of Christ because it is based on the very voice of God. And Peter here says in verse 23, having been born again, that we are born again up above. Last week we read that we were redeemed not with silver or gold. That's verse 18. But we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. And that he was foreordained to be manifested in this hour. And now that we believe it through him, we believe in God who raised him from the dead. And so we go now 22, since you've been purified, you have purified your soul in obeying the truth through the Spirit. So in obeying the truth through the Spirit, we know God is... Oh, how deep do you want me to go? Uh, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in obeying the truth through the Spirit, the Spirit is the Holy Spirit, and this Holy Spirit carries the very voice of God. And so the voice of God is purifying me daily as I'm hearing His voice. It is renewing my mind, and we know His voice carries what? The very Word of God. His voice carries the Word of God. And so all of me responds to the voice of God. The voice of God carries the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit, if we go to what Paul writes to Corinthians, that the, the voice of God searches the deep things. So the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, searches the deep things of God and communicates these deep, profound mysteries to us. And so we have an engagement with divine mysteries all the time through the voice of God, who is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the very voice of God because he brings to remembrance the words of Jesus. What brings to remembrance? Voice. When I speak to you and I remind you of something, my voice brings remembrance. The Holy Spirit carries the voice of God and the voice communicates the word of truth to us. And through this word of truth, we are born again. And that's why he says that we've obeyed the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, Love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, having, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, that's imperishable through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The word of God, which lives and abides forever, is infinite, eternal word and lives and abides in me now. That's the, that's the concepts of God. That's the thoughts. There's a better word. I'm trying to catch it. That's, that's the, he, the very expressions of the mind of God. The very, the very intentions of God. The very thoughts of God. The very, the very expression 
of divine life lives inside of us. And so when we recognize that we have brand new life, the realization is that I really need to get to know this brand new life. And this brand new life is found in the Holy Spirit because the kingdom of God is not of meat or drink, but is what? It's found in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit bears the very voice of God. If we go to 1 Corinthians, actually it's 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3, 15. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil is on their hearts referring to the Jewish people under the Old Testament. Nevertheless, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When one turns to the voice, to the Lord, I just want to see something in um, the book of Revelation in the very beginning regarding John that he heard, John heard the voice speak to him and John turned. We know that in, in, in John, sorry, in the book of Revelation 1.15, his feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace and his voice is as the sound of many waters. And so when he heard the voice of God, the reference just escapes me here. I don't want to take too much time in looking into it. But, but when, when he, he heard the voice of God, uh, where, which, where is it? Oh, my dear. Twelve? I turned, that's right. Thank you so much. Revelation 1.12. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. So here we see it. If we go back to Second Corinthians 3. 16, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. John wrote in the book of Revelation 1, 12, then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. He saw light. He saw light illuminating. But what the neat thing about it is that when we recognize that the divine life is truly based on utterance, then it shifts my whole perspective so that now I'm fully dependent on that utterance. Now I'm fully dependent on the word of God. Now I'm fully dependent on this voice to communicate truth to me because without the communication of and, and the hearing of, of the word of God, the voice of God carries, we really have no standing. Because our new birth, our new life is based on an utterance. It's based on the word of God. It's based on, that's why he said, uh, Jesus said in, um, in the dead when he was being tempted, that men shall not live by bread alone, but, but what? But every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, the word that proceeds, it's a proceeding word, it's a living word, it's a voice, it's the voice of God, and the voice of God is my very life. The voice of God is my life. I'm born of the word. I'm born of the incorruptible seed. The voice carries the incorruptible seed. The Holy Spirit carries the incorruptible seed of the word of God. And this, this, the voice of God has made me free. Who is the son? The son is the living word. And, and the ones that the son sets free, they are free indeed. So we're to never depart from the hearing of the voice of God. 
How do you hear the voice of God? Well, the meditation of the word, the quiet time with the Lord, the, I mean, driving and you put your mind on him. There he is. He's constantly speaking edification to us. And it's through this edification. That's why we acknowledge every good thing that we have now in Christ, in the Lord, inside of us, within us. How do you acknowledge it? You have to have heard it. You have to have heard it. To be able to acknowledge something, you have to have heard it. How do you hear it? The Holy Spirit brings to remembrance the words of Jesus. This is our brand new life. It is in the Holy Spirit. It is of the Holy Spirit. It is of righteousness that is found in the Holy Spirit. It is in the right utterance of divine speech. Man, we, we, we know ourselves. Like I would know Desi maybe more than anyone else would know Desi outside of God. We're very much aware of, of, of the internal communications. We're very much aware of thoughts. What spurs those thoughts? What spurs those communication voices? Voices? What does a voice do? Give you direction. Give you intentionality. What does a voice do? Communicate. So when I say that my life is based on an utterance, it truly is. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What does he think on that which he hears? And so that's why we have heard, goes back to, I think, of Joyce Meyer's books, The Battlefield of the Mind. We communicate to anyone. You, it's, you don't have to spend more than five minutes in conversation, and you can already hear their internal conversation coming out. And without a shift in the internal conversation, there's no shift on the outer reality of that person. And so... The message of Christ is a message of liberty that is born out of the Holy Spirit. It is born out of a divine utterance that is based on the word of God. It is rhema utterance. It's the quickening of the spirit that brings aliveness to a divine reality. That maybe I heard the message, maybe I read it in the Bible. Suddenly the Holy Spirit, the voice of God, quickens it and makes it real to me. And if I have an ability which you train me, and this is the ability is to be able to reign in your mind and focus on that soul revelation of the life of God in you. When you reign your mind and you decide which thought you're going to listen to, when you reign your mind and you make a decision which voice you will heed, that's the ultimate liberty. So it does require discipline. That's what we read last week about, oh, maybe two weeks ago, Paul talking about uh, buffeting his body, disciplining his body, bringing his body into subjection, lest he, after he has preached all these divine mysteries, two-thirds of the New Testament, self-disqualify himself. How does one self-disqualify? By heeding to the wrong voice. Because that which you hear moves you. 
And so we can, we can go to church and we can have Christian fellowship and we can do all the right things, all the right things. But if you have not apprehended your mind and brought every thought into submission to the voice of God, there is no liberty. We can imitate liberty. It's shallow and you know it's not there. And before you know it, everyone else knows so too. It, it, it's restrictive. It's binding. That's called religiosity. It's the most binding thing on earth is a religious behavior of pretense, of a put on. I want to come across as real free, but I'm real bound. All these voices are going in my head. But when you recognize that my voice is based on utterance, you become a lot more diligent in your mind and a lot more sifting as to which voice you hear. And the skillfulness of the Holy Ghost enables us now to navigate these thoughts. Because you have a brand new life. You've got a brand new means of living now. No longer after traditions of man, we read that about Paul. The traditions of man last week. That we redeemed, actually, sorry, it's Peter writing, that we redeemed out of the traditions of our father. The aimless con- conduct that came out of the traditions of our fathers. In 1 Peter 1, 18, 19. So right now, we have what? The liberty of the Spirit. Shoo! That's why we got born again, to have fellowship with the Spirit, to have fellowship with the divine mind, to have fellowship with the utterance of God, to have fellowship with the voice of God. The John, when he heard the voice, he turned, and he, the word says that when you turn to the Lord, you're being transformed because the voice comes in. You're apprehended by the voice that is ever moving you to the right direction. You're actually turning to Him. So if we continue reading here, in 2 Corinthians 3.16, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil, the shadows, the, the unbelief, the restrictions, the inability to see, the inability to get beyond your moment. You're stepping out into glory, into these wide open spaces of the Spirit. So now when you read the word, that veil is not over your eyes. So now when you hear the voice of God, the veil is not over your ears. So today, turn to the Lord. Put your gaze back on Jesus, the author and the finisher. Put your eyes back on him. Turn your gaze on him. We looked at the book of Hebrews, the Passion Translation, chapter 12, especially one of the verses was, turn away from your natural circumstance. Turn your gaze away. Turn your gaze away and focus on Jesus. Just focus on Jesus. Let's look it up here since Hebrews 12, I think it was 2. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Look unto Jesus. Fasten your gaze on him. Fasten your gaze on him who is the author. He is the beginner, the originator, he, 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 faith, it's he himself. We have the faith of the Son of God. We put our eyes on the one who started this divine work inside of us. We put our eyes on the one who's already run the race ahead of us. So he's the author and the finisher or the perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He endured the persecution, despising the shame. 
and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so that's the one we look to now. And there's no more veiling when we look to him. All the veils have been stripped away. In, in 17, if we go back to 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, the Spirit of the Lord we talked about carries the voice of God, the very mind of God. And we can say where His voice is, there is liberty. We can say where His mind is in manifestation, there is a liberty. What does that mean? You don't have to be shackled in your mind anymore. You don't have to be shackled in your mind anymore. You can just choose to float in the stream of the Holy Spirit. Don't have a care. Don't have a care. What's liberty? What's liberty? Not a care. Not a care. Liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. The very opposite of confusion. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. Turn. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to behold Him. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to behold Him. Carnal minds hate it. Carnal mind hates it. If you want someone to get really upset with you, just live this way. Be highly persecuted by your flesh primarily. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know what you're going to do? You don't have a plan? I don't have a plan. Don't have a plan. One plan on it. Behold Jesus. Just behold Him. Just behold divine reality. Allow Him to live big in you. Stop restricting what God can do, what God cannot do. Stop looking at the calendar and the time. Trust your heavenly Father. He brought you into the world. He brought you now unto Him. Now, He's got you. He's got you, child. He's got you. Turn to the Lord and the veil is lifted off of you. And all you behold is glory. The the sun, you you behold the one who's gone before you. You behold the most faithful expression of God that he so loved the world he gave us his son. And the words that if he didn't spare this preciousness of his son, how much more would he not give you everything together with the son? Why would you worry? Why would you not want to be in the liberty of the spirit? Why would you want to restrain and restrict yourself to the way things used to be when they're not like that anymore? Behold, all things have passed away. Even if you go looking for your old life, it's not there no more. It's not there no more. It's a fantasy. It's a wrong reality. It's a wrong voice. That's one to hold you back. It's not there. It's not real. No, no longer there. Where are you? I'm here and I'm light. And what we said in the beginning is where light is. There's no darkness. That's my reality. And there's a fight to this reality. There's a great contending. There's a great contending because constantly the flesh and the enemy and everything around is talking to take a closer look at the natural. I don't want to take a closer look to the natural. I want to behold the supernatural God. 
I want to behold divine reality. I want to behold divine purpose. I want to behold the glory of the Lord. And that's what, what happens here when you turn unto the Lord and, and, and you encounter the Holy Ghost and He takes over your life. There is liberty in verse 18. But we all with what unveiled face, fully exposed, no shame, no hiding, full nakedness before God. Just get naked before God. Just, just remove, remove the cover-ups. He knows you. He knows you. He formed you in your mother's womb. He knows you. We all with unveiled faces, beholding us in a mirror. How oh, he is my, I see my reflection when I look at him. I see my reflection when, and so what do I see when I look? I see glory. I see life. I see hope. I see, I see faith. I, I see love. I see light. I see benevolence. I see, I see he's for me. I see him alone. That's why there's liberty when you see him. You see no one else. And when you see him, you see his voice. His voice is to be seen. His voice is tangible. His voice made and shaped me my mother's womb. His voice has formed me, his voice. Beholding us in a mirror, the glory of the Lord being what? Transformed metamorphosis we we changing shape we becoming divine nature being revealed before us transformed into the same image into the image that we're beholding we're becoming more and more like jesus transformed in the same image that we're beholding and that's the importance of recognizing his voice and solely hearing his voice because his voice becomes your mirror and shapes you and that's true for the adversary. That's true for the chaotic voices. If you behold the chaotic voice, it is also transforming you and shaping you into chaos. And so many times we come across people and you just see chaos. But then it tells you what they are heeding. And so we are light. And so we are rescue operation now. We're in a rescue operation. We don't want anyone languishing in chaos. Being transformed to the same image from glory to glory as just by the Spirit of the Lord. So this transformation is by the Spirit of the Lord. And so then he goes, Paul writes, continues in chapter 4, Therefore, since we have this ministry, this glorious ministry, this new covenant, this poured out life, that we now partakers of this divine life, this brand new nature, since you've received this, this mercy, we do not lose heart. Don't be discouraged. I think the New Living Translation there says, never give up. Don't give up. Why would he say after what he said, such a beautiful statement of beholding the glory of God. And as I behold glory, I'm transformed. The next he says, don't lose heart. It's, uh, it's, uh, there's a lot of contending. There's a lot of contending to keep beholding. That's why, the writer of Hebrews says, look unto Jesus, fasten your gaze, be disciplined, be disciplined in the way you look. And now only look to the place that I hear I'm to look at. So the voice of God directs my gaze. And that's true for any voice. Gives you direction to what you behold. 
You're no good. You're no good. You're just no good. You're no good. What do you do at that moment? You'd be holding no good. You're becoming no good. You're being transformed into no good. When you are pure good, made in the image of God, the very expression of life. When I say I have bread in your life, let's not make it a religious little statement. It's divine life. God in me, his life. That is a good life. That is glorious life. The good one lives in me and that's all I magnify. The good one lives in me and it's making me gooder and gooder and better and better. I go from glory to glory. I don't stumble at my old man. I don't, I just forsake that. I forget that. If we go to 16 of the same chapter, therefore do not lose heart. Again, he talks about not losing heart. Don't give up. Even though our outward man is perishing, that's it. The outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man, this is what we focus on. Not the perishing of the outer man. Not the reckoning of dead to the outer man. Not, not the the sufferings of the old man. But what we focus is that the inward man is being renewed. Brand new life. Day by day. Day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working what? It's working for us a far, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That has taken me through a lot of moments. <laughs> that might be a little bit hard. I'm like, oh, it's just a little hard now, just a little bit. It's nothing but a light affliction. It's working for me. So Desi... Keep going, buddy. Just keep running. Just keep running. Just keep walking. Just keep looking unto Jesus. Just, just reckon the old man dead. Bring down that thought. Bring that, that thought. And just allow the, the Holy Spirit. I so often see it as a sailboat. And the wind of the Spirit, the sails, it's like my mind. And, and his voice is like the wind. And just carries my thoughts the right way. And navigates my life the right way. All I do is I hear. I catch his wind. All I do is I hear his voice. And his voice is beautiful. And he brings beauty out of ashes. It's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And this is the key why we do not look at the things which are seen. Because that which you see, you are becoming. What you are seeing, you're becoming. Well, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Those things are the eternal. For the things which are seen are temporary, temporary, temporary problems. We only have temporary problems. Every problem is a temporary. It's temporary. It's just for a little bit. Might seem 10 years. God calls it temporary. It's just for a little bit. But that which we behold is eternal. That which behold the unseen, that he says, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We behold Jesus, he is eternal. We behold, the, we behold the word of God, the living Christ. Because we are eternal and we can behold eternal. We can behold eternal. Let's go to Hebrews 10, 19. We talked about our new 
this divine life is based on utterance that really the word of God is our food. It's, it's also our sustenance. It's our shaper. It's our guide. And um, we know the Holy Spirit has been shed abroad in our hearts, but that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We know the Holy Spirit lives in us. And, and we also know that our heart moves our mouths, right? So that which we speak comes from where? From our heart, because out of the heart flow the issues of life. The issues of life come out of my heart. The issues of my life come out of my heart. How do they come out of my heart? Through utterance. So as I am being sustained by divine utterance, I am becoming divine utterance. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that which I am heeding and meditating in my heart is making a movement out of my mouth. And so that's why we said you don't have to be with someone for too long to recognize what they have been meditating on, which is what they have been listening to. And what, because of their, them listening to it, what they have conformed to. So that's just the backdrop of what I'm about to read. Okay. Um, Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness, we have access now to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We are now in the very, pre- we, we live in God. We live in God, but a new and living way. So we have now access, having boldness to enter the holies by the blood of Christ, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us. So he made the way into this inner chamber of God, in the very presence of God, in the inner workings of God, we have access. We have access into the inner workings of God, where God is. We have access to every thought that God is. We have access to every expression that he has. We have access. Let's not read this with a religious spirit of just kind of, yeah, the old tabernacle, when you look at it, you, the process of, you know, the outer court, the inner court, and the, and the most holy, right? There is a progression. Well, we are now in the holiest of the holies. What was in the most holy place was the cherubim on the mercy seat. The two cherubim. And what was between the two cherubim was the voice of God. That the priest once a year had access to. And what was that cherubim that, that placed on what? That emerges, it was placed on the Ark of the Covenant. What was in the Ark? It was the miraculous power of God. It was the, the, the giving of the word. It was the, the law that was given. The utterance of God that was given. The foundation of all men is the very word of God. It's the, 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 the manna that fed them in the wilderness. It's the blossoming of that rod. What do we have access to? Life. 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 The word of life. In the mercy seat. The way God communed with his people. We are there now. In the very voice of God. In the very glory of God. We have boldness to be there. 
We're not beggarly there. He died for us. Royalty died for us. That we be his royalty now. But a new and living way, which is his body, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. His flesh. So that's why there's no more veiling, because his flesh was broken. His flesh was broken and made a way that we be unveiled. Flesh that covered our sight. Flesh that covered our gaze. Carnality that talked to us. His flesh opened it up. You know what I just said was pretty profound? His flesh opened it up. And that's why the word says that our flesh nature that we had of the old man has no longer dominion because his flesh was broken for us. Broke that bondage, broke the veil, broke the hindrance of the gaze, broke the, the hindrance of the hearing of the voice of God. And when we are outside, now we're in the inner of the inner. Now we're right where the voice is, the very heart of the voice of God. That we have access. <sighs> I go 20 again. By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, through the veil which is his flesh, having and having a high priest over the house of God, because now we have a high priest that says, come on in, buddy, come on in. I made a way for you. We are legally allowed to be there. The one that stands over the high priest of the house of God has made the way for us to enter in where he is, where he is the forerunner. I can go for another hour, but I'm going to try to curb here a little bit. <laughs> Uh, Hebrews 6, 19, 18. <laughs> well, what do I do? Which one do I go by? Let's go 17. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the immutability, the unchangeable nature of his counsel, the unchangeable nature of his voice, the unchangeable nature of the mind of God, that it's set forever, abiding forever, unmoving, unchanging, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by a note that by two immutable things in which it is impossible, it is impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation, a strong consolation and assurance who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that's set before us. This hope we have as an anchor, it's stabilizing us, right? It's an anchor of the soul, of my mind, of my will, of my emotion. This anchor, this assurance of the immutable nature of God is my assurance that if he said so, it is so. If he says that he is now a high priest forever over the house of God and I've been given free access, I am there now because I have an assurance of his immutability. That he's not a man that he should lie. So verse 19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So let's go back to chapter 10. So we are where he is. 
I read that for that purpose. So because of it now, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart, with a pure heart in full assurance. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. There's no, I tripped up five minutes ago. There's none of it. There's none of that. But draw near with a true heart, with a happy little heart. Just go in with a happy little heart. Just be happy. Full assurance of faith. That's pure joy. It's pure joy. It's not like, okay, a true heart. Oh, gee. Oh, gee. I have condemnation in my heart. Maybe my heart's not true today. Okay. Okay. I got to work on my, oh, forsake that. Forget that. It says you've been sprinkled with a pure conscience. Now the blood is sprinkled. You have a pure conscience already. Right of Hebrew says that as well. You have a pure conscience. You have a true heart. You have his heart. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled, right there it is, <laughs> having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast. Here we go. Let us hold fast the what? The confession. That which comes out of our mouth, that we're hearing him. That which we're hearing him speak, we're speaking. That confession is that word that said the same thing as he's saying, right? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. What means is that the utterance that you hear, speak it out loud and don't waver. That which you hear, hold on to it. Be bold with it. Be bold with it. Be bold with that which you hear. Let us hold fast the confessions, homologia, right? The, saying the same thing as he says of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Why? Because there's no condemnation in us. When there's no condemnation in me, I can stir you up onto good work. When I don't feel guilty, I can stir you up onto good work. I'm not jealous of your good work. I'm not feeling condemned about my bad work. So now I've got to work on my bad work and make it good. And while I'm really busy working on this here little moment, I've got no time for you because i got to work on this right now. No, 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 no. You have the full assurance of faith. Your heart sprinkled by the blood. You've got a true heart before God. And because you're fully wide open before God, go and encourage another. Just go and encourage another. You're good with God. You're good with God. It's the pure conscience. A pure conscience is when you can encourage another. We're not was it, navel gazing. To stir into good works. And then he says, for not, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is in the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And the main reason why many exhort the assembling together is this condemnation. It's this guilt. It's this shame. I'm not good enough. I don't qualify. They don't like me enough. They don't like me enough. They don't like me. They don't want me there. Oh, I, God loves you. God wants you with him already. You've got brand new life. You've got the very life of God. If he doesn't reject you, no one can reject you. If he has accepted you, you're accepted. If he's validated, you're valid. You're valid. There's no shame in that. Uh, the word, we've looked at it so many times in Ephesians 1, 4, that I'm raised together, that I'm above, I'm, I'm before him in love, I'm above reproach. I'm found in his son. There's no reproach in the son. 
reproach in divine life. Divine life lives in me. There's no reproach in divine life. There's no reproach in the word of God. So we're finished with Colossians. Colossians 3. So because of all that we said, this brand new reality, we have now in Christ a brand new life. 3.1, Colossians 3.1. If then you were raised with Christ, <laughs> raised into newness of life, uh, Romans, Romans 6. Let's look at Romans. Just I'll look at Romans 6. I'll find it real fast. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Certainly not. See, when you have divine life, you don't, you don't continue in sin. You've got no desire for it. You run away from it. It's got no hold on you. You trip up, you get up, you continue. Certainly not. How shall we, how shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? We're dead to sin. Can't live for it no more. <laughs> That's dead to me now. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 6.4 Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we, you and I, even so we, also should walk in newness of life. That we now have newness of life. So now Colossians 3.1, if then you are raised with Christ, which we know we are, seek those things which are above. Seek those things. Seek, fasten your gaze on him. Hear his voice alone. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God because that's where you are now. You're right there behind the veil with him. And so set your mind. This is the discipline. This is the discipline. It's not all up to God. God's done it all. It's now that we discipline our minds to set them. We set our mind. I decide what I think on. And I, it's a work in progress in all of us. To reign in the thoughts. To subdue the thoughts. To subdue the thoughts. To continue in this walk of renewing our minds. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and what? My life is where? Hidden with Christ in God. I'm in Him. His life is my life. It's hidden. I'm tucked in God. I'm planted in God. I'm abiding in the living word by which I'm born again. And the word's living in me. So that when Christ, who is my life, appears, Christ, who is our life, what's your brand new life? Christ is your brand new life. Christ who is my life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So let your life be seen. And when your life is seen, Christ will be seen. Because Christ is your life. Your brand new life is your life in Christ. And walk, 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 keep walking. All done. Amen. Praise God.